the optimal life. What's happening, Jeremy? How are you today? My dude, Nate, I'm doing fantastic, my man. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah, thanks for being here. So I actually tried out for Forrest Gump <laughs> when I was a young, young buck. And I tried out for the, I, I remember I got a script. I did this thing at this little kid's modeling slash uh, talent agency. And oh, you were going to be Little Gump. I was going to be Little Gump. I got. I, I had a script. This had to be about two years before the movie ever came out. And I had to read, Mama Told Me Never to Talk to Strangers, that scene on, with the bus. Yep. Um, little did I know I was reading Forrest Gump. I mean, nope, nobody knew what that was two years prior to the movie coming out. Wow. So um, I noticed that that movie had a big impact on you when you were younger. Mm. Talk about why that movie was so impactful. About 80% of the way through the film, Forrest Gump is kind of recounting his life, and he says that Lieutenant Dan invests into a fruit company, and then Forrest Gump goes on to say, now we don't have to worry about money no more, which is good, one less thing. <laughs> and uh, the aspect, I, I'd never heard those words in my life, right? Growing up at the age of six, man, I was dirt poor. So it really stood out to me. And I asked my dad, okay, if someone can not worry about money through investing and through a fruit company, what is investing and what is the fruit company? So he tells me as much as he can about Apple computers and what they do and how they might impact the world. So I begged him, man. I was like, well, we need to buy some shares, right? Let's, like, let's get into this. And he just, as most people would obviously say, I mean, what do you think? I, what do you think I'm made of money? Right. <laughs> we could just go pick money off of my money tree and buy some shares. Like we, we're broke, man. We don't have any money. So I begged him, begged him, and eventually, which was a really strong move on his part, he said, "Listen, if you bring me some money, I'll match it." So he puts the ball in my court and makes me go do something, which is first quote of the podcast. Hopefully, for anyone listening, it's not about your resources; it's about your resourcefulness. Because at the age of six, I had no money, obviously, no real resources, but all I did was I became very resourceful, went out and picked blackberries, sold them door to door in the summer of 1994, made 1500 bucks, selling them for like a dollar a bag. Now, granted, grandmas and like older people would give me like 10 bucks and 20 bucks. So yeah, they were paying premium for the berries for sure. Yeah, man. It, yeah, they paid premium. But, it but was, that's, hey, that's relationships right there. That's it. I was just right? nice. Yeah. I was just yeah. there and I was nice showing up, trying. So what happened? What happened? You brought your dad some cash and said, I've got it. I got it, dad. Here it is. And he's like, he was kind of blown away. Come to find out, he actually has to borrow money from my uncle. Um, his name is Uncle Billy. And so we bought $3,000 worth of Apple in 1994. And uh, everyone wants to know if I held on to it still. It would, if I had still held it, it'd be worth $36 million. Um, I know, man. Crazy. How much crazy, was that crazy. stock when, when you guys were buying it? Which was wild is it was almost the exact lowest it's ever been because that was right when Steve Jobs left. I think it was like a I think it was like three forty seven a share. So I think we bought like a thousand shares right at it. So very God, very inexpensive. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I just have to stop for anyone that's listening because <laughs> everyone plays the short game these days, as you know. I mean, this is your specialty mm -hmm. day trading. Mm -hmm. Everyone's looking for the fast win. But boy, if you just have the patience to just say, I'm putting this thing away for 10, 20, 30 years, I'm buying this and not even looking. 
sometimes you may be sitting on gold and you just don't your your lack of patience takes away the opportunity for you to find gold mm, there you go what it's a good such quote. an interesting thing because you you would at three dollars and 47 cents a share people now would go no way no way yeah yeah it is i mean there's there's certain aspects because my thought is it's very interesting with the market timing as well, because I think that a lot of markets, a lot of equities are down pretty dramatically. But the semi-ironic part to me is with active trading, with active income, whatever it is that you're doing, doesn't matter if it's your job, if it's podcasting, if it's sales, if it's day trading, like how are you making some income, taking that income and then with some of it, buying a long-term asset that you have no idea what it might do. I just left a real estate conference and one of the guys was, you know, worth a quarter of a billion. And one of the, the, he was on the panel and someone asked him like, what's your, if you would have done one thing better, what would it have been? He's like, I would have held more houses mm. rather than doing the, like the quick flip. Cause he'd probably be worth like half a bill if he had held more and just like owned more and played that game that you mentioned, that patience game. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So that, what happened? You guys end up buying a bunch of shares, a bunch of stock. Yep. And you were a young kid and that kind of just set the stage for this entrepreneurial burning desire. Uh, what, what happened from there? It does, man. It starts setting the stage. So then in two, uh, 2000, we moved from Georgia to Florida. My dad got a job. He got a promotion. You know, we, he started bringing in some income at that point. So we moved for this job. And this was in the height of the tech bubble, 2000. And in the car, I asked my dad, like, hey, how's our stock doing? So like he calls Charles Schwab. Uh, asks them and finds out, right? So we had made essentially we four X our investment, took three thousand into twelve thousand, and so you know I asked him like, what should we do? And he's like, this is the greatest trade you'll ever do in your life. You need to sell it and put it into something really safe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so we did. We sold it in two thousand and bought some II bonds from the bank, and uh, that was an atrocious mistake, but it was <laughs> not. Uh, not unbeknownst to him, but that was one of the things, man, that just propelled me. I was like, holy smokes, I'm a billionaire. Like I'm the richest 12 year old in the world. This is all I want to do. And I want to teach other people how to do this because it's so intriguing. And really, man, Nate, to go honestly deep, deep, deep into the movie, right after he talks about being financially free, he then shows portrayals of him building schools, hospitals, churches, and getting Bubba's mom out of the kitchen, right? And retiring her. Right, where her. she almost faints because she, right? With that exactly. that it gives her, yeah. Exactly. And like that is what really pulled at my heart when I was six was using abundance and using wealth to be a force for good, creating actual impact, really pouring in greatness into others. Oh, that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. So, how did you start doing it? You're, you're uh, an advisor, you're an investment guru, you've got, done all these things in terms of, of coaching and that's, we'll get into what you're doing now, but where did it really start for you? All st uh, nationwide insurance, that was like my first big boy job. Um, I worked as hard as I could from age 15 to you know 18 doing whatever, random side jobs. And when I turned 18, I worked at nationwide insurance as a call center. Love the job, love the people, only have good things to say about the company. And I just grinded, man. Um, I had a 401k. Like, so this is the thing, right? This is what people do. You get a job with a 401k, you make contributions to it, you do the corporate ladder, you work your face off. You know, you end up getting a company card and company credit card and you make whatever, 
$180,000 a year. And then you retire when you're 65. Like that was the pace that I was on for sure. And I still never forgotten my love for stocks and my love for investing. And I couldn't find anyone to teach me. I went to school when I was 18. I went to the University of Florida, go Gators, for a finance degree. And I was like, these people are going to teach me all about stocks. A finance degree will definitely teach me everything I need to know about trading and the markets. You're kind of grinning because you know <laughs> if you're going to learn that, it's not where you go, unfortunately, is a finance degree and, and the college system, at least right. presently. So I got, um, I ended up switching degrees, got a business management degree, and then just started trying to figure out as much as I can. And then one day, about now I'm at 18 and a half, 19, my boss at the time, his name was Rob Gwynn, told me, um, uh, for a one-on-one -on -one peer review meeting kind of thing. And when I came to his desk, I could see stock market stuff on his screen. So when I tell people who know nothing about stock market, if I go, imagine stock market stuff, they kind of see it in their brain, like these random charts and weird colors. Right. I didn't know what I was looking at. And I asked him, I was like, dude, please give me whatever score you want for my one-on-one -on -one review. I want to learn what's on your screen. I want to learn everything about the stock market. And he was kind of blown away by it. And he mentored me for a good six, seven months taught me how to do a self-directed 401k because um, I've been contributing my 401k. And my very first trade um, with wisdom was I went to Google and I typed in silver companies to buy. That was what I typed in. First company that came up, Nate, was First Majestic Silver, ticker symbol AG. They're still around. And I had $9,000 in my 401k at the time. I sold all the bonds and all the random, you know, retirement at 2047, whatever things that I was in. Right. Went into cash and then took that $9,000, bought a thousand shares of First Majestic Silver. It was at nine bucks. Five days later, it was at 12. I sold it. Made $3,000 in five days. Here's the problem with that. That $3,000 win was about $800 more than I made at work in an entire month. And that was a big that was the big, big aha moment for bro, you. Bro, oh yeah. my gosh, dude. That was the big like, aha. You're going, I'm freaking slaving away here, eight, yeah. ten, nine, ten hours a day. Yeah. And I just did, <laughs> yeah. I just made three grand in a day or a couple of days. Nate, then John just did the math, man. I was like, wait a minute. Like, there's companies that move three, four dollars a week all the time. I was like, if I buy a thousand shares, I can make three thousand dollars a week. So I sat down to that math and then it just compounded from there. I got an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> you know? Right. You get you get into that. But then of course you're it is exciting. But on the flip side of that coin is just as fast as you can make the three thousand dollars, you could lose it too, right? And I assume you experienced some of that early on. <laughs> yep. So the first four or five months were going great. I was doing amazing. I was doubling my 401k every few months. Uh, I, I convinced my dad to borrow some money. Uh, he gave me some of his retirement. We we just started, I started going around asking people at Nationwide, like, hey, let me start managing your 401k for you. I'll beat what you're doing, like all these things. And so at the age of 21, I get, gathered together about $400,000 of other people's money to trade with. Wow. And most of it was in their accounts. I never commingled the money. I just got their password and their login and would just do it for them. But uh, yeah, 21, I was trading $400,000 and I did turn that into about 1.2 million um, over the course of a few months and then lost everything <laughs> because I started getting into some stuff I didn't uh, understand, which are options. 
and I bet way too heavy and I bet way too aggressive. I just didn't know anything about risk mitigation and I, I wasn't able to control that level of wealth. I didn't realize how it worked. I don't know anything about the numbers, lost all of it. And uh, also at the age of 21. So at the age of 21, there I was like essentially at rock bottom, losing everyone's money, everyone's trust, everyone's, you know, my reputation essentially, I guess kind of is down the drain at that point and uh, just had to figure out how to get it back. How did you handle that? That had to be, in the moment, it's devastating. It could ultimately be a learning lesson mm -hmm. that you take with you for the rest of your life and become so much more successful with, which I have no doubt that's what's happened to you. But in that moment, in those yeah. weeks and months and maybe the years that followed, how were how you able to re-earn that trust? So I, I, the crazy part is I promised those investors 36% return in a year. Like that was like, that was what I would told them I would hit them, hit for them. And then I would take everything above. None of this was legal, by the way. So if you're listening, please never do this. This is all not good. <laughs> Dude, this is the Wait, exact what, was, what wasn't legal about this? <laughs> um, well, the, all of it essentially, but yeah, no, no licensing, no commitments, no contracts, nothing documented. Um, right. Yeah. All, all the fun stuff, but the, and definitely not guaranteeing. You definitely should not guarantee results either. That's a big right. no-no. But the approach for me was I, I started asking different questions because when I did lose the money, when you're in that in a situation where you get to ask, you go, how do I make the money back? That's a question. How do I quit, give up, throw in the towel, apologize to everybody and just go back to work? That's another question. The question I asked very specifically was, how do I make $4,000 a month? Now, I'll tell you why I um, asked that question. I borrowed $400,000. I told everyone I'd give them like a 36% return. So I, when I called them on the phone, I said, hey, I did lose all your money, but I'm going to get it back for you. And it's not going to be in the year. And I'm sorry. And I screwed up. And I'm an idiot. And blah, blah, blah. I had to, you know, I did. But I was like, I'm still going to not only give your money back, but I'm going to give you back some interest. And it's going to take me 10 years and I'm sorry and I'm an idiot, but I'm going to do my absolute best. So then the question I asked was, how do I make $4,000 a month? That's $48,000 a year times 10 is $408,000. That was my math at the time. If I can make $408,000 in 10 years, I'll pay him back. And then in 10 years later, I'll be able to go back and start over. But what was happening, man, is that question got so specific that my brain figured out the answer. Like, okay, well, you can make $4,000 a month. I mean, I was in sales, essentially. I had uh, I'd done some things where I was like, okay, you can increase your work. You can work more overtime. Like you can really lower your expenses. I mean, I got very specific. The hilarious part is $4,000. That was the interest payment. That wasn't my cost of living. I mean, you still have to eat food and drink water and stuff. I was like, <laughs> three months Lynn, I made $4,000 every month at work, but I wasn't able to eat. So I was like, okay, I can't do that. How do I make $6,000 a month? Yes. Now I have $2,000 to live off of. And, but then I made $6,000 a month, three months in a row. I was like, well, this is crazy. So I just started asking different questions, which led me to reading a bunch of books and understanding leverage and understanding money and understanding money mindset. And I went insane on studying. I read every book, watched every webinar, went to every seminar, went to every council meeting, whatever I was available to attend, I was there like an animal, like a ravagely hungry, ferocious animal, just attacking everything I could, reading everything I could, watching everything I could, studying my absolute face off. 
And there's a term, Nate, called backtrading. Backtrading is where you go back in history and then you can replay every single day and just kind of get like an idea of what happened that day. So I downloaded a program called Trade Navigator and I did that with the Dow Jones from inception, from the day the Dow Jones started, which is like 1887 until current day, which was like, this was like 2010, 2011. I did that over and over and over and every day. I would practice that seven hours a day and just started getting kind of like good at understanding sentiment and candles and charts and technical analysis. Wow. That's my point. Would you have honed your craft and become as obsessed and as dedicated and as focused had you not gone through that rough experience? Nope. That's, that's called failing forward. As Denzel Washington says, find a way to fail, find a way to be miserably wrong, find a way to know absolutely nothing to be essentially in a position where you're massively uncomfortable because failure, it can mean a whole different thing to a whole different amount of people. But the definition for me was just losing, being wrong, not being good enough, not knowing what I'm doing. Uh, Marion Williamson quote, right? Is our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. We, people know inadequacy. They know what it means. They know what it feels like to be mediocre, to be average, to be normal, to be broke. People know what that means, but the unknown is being in crazy successful. So the reason I'm bringing all that up, man, I probably could have borrowed, I probably could have borrowed, if I was more confident in my skills, I could have borrowed $4 million and taken that to 16 million and then lost all 16 million. <laughs> it would have worked the exact same way. Right. It's just super intriguing to realize when you take something on and you really push the limits, that's when you grow. That's fantastic advice. Um, so you, I have been obviously studying this market, as you point out, for and looking at behaviors and candles and charts and trends. You've studied this stuff and you study it daily. When you look at the last time the markets come crashing down, kind of like we did this past year, uh, what are your insights into what people should be doing now? What, where, where should people be going now with their money and why? I, yeah, it's a great question. I do think that there are some, there's some pain ahead in equities and crypto and real estate. What people need to do is not be afraid because fear is a choice. And we have to learn to lean in into on that uncomfortableness and figure out ways to get very creative and be a leader, right? You're going to have to step up. There's nothing wrong with anyone that has a job. Everyone here is a trader. You're trading something for something, money for time, time for resources. What, what is it that you're doing? You're trading something. What I'm doing is trying to simply focus on just a few stocks, Tesla, Amazon, NVIDIA, Google, Shopify, just to name a few. And I'm actively day trading them where I'll get in on a thousand shares. My stop is, let's say $10. So it's a $10,000 risk. And my goal is to make 12 or 13 or $14. And if I can lose 10,000 every time I make 13 or 14,000, and I can do that on a daily basis, that's three or $4,000 a day that can add up very quickly. Now, again, that's 12 years of information. So you can whittle that down to 100 shares or 10 shares. The number works the exact same. So the fact is, for me, for any other investor out there, my overall opinion is this is a phenomenal time 
to start looking into what assets you can purchase, but learn to get creative and build as much cash as you can right now. A lot of people are gonna go, oh, my cash needs to be at work. I need to do something. Yeah, true. But if you're putting into something right now, it's probably gonna go down. So keep as much cash as you can through overtime, through increasing your sales. How can you add more value at work, at your company? How can you become a really amazing leader, someone who's inspirational, someone who inspires others to motivation, to opportunities, to growth, because opportunity never goes away. It only changes places. We have to get wise. We need to get really focused. And yeah, sure, cut your expenses back a little bit. Be smart about what you're spending your money on. Don't be a dumb. However, figure out a way to increase the income, which every single person listening to the show can do easily because money does grow on trees. Increase your income and start buying some of these assets. Like, like I said, Amazon, Google, Shopify, NVIDIA, Tesla, some of these amazing companies that we know are going to be around 10 years from now and they're amazingly depressed. So yes, they're, you can buy them at a value right now and those companies aren't going anywhere to your point. What about something much less stable? Crypto. What's your take? <clears throat> so with crypto, um, my take is I do enjoy it. I love the volatility. I am into crypto as well. And I would focus on two aspects. I would focus on either a stable, uh, no, it's not a stable coin, apologies. I would focus on a larger cap coin like Bitcoin or Ethereum. Those are gonna be the two main investments for me into crypto. And or focus on something that pays a yield, a staking yield. So to name two, Tezos and Cosmos. Those two pay around 5% just to put it in Coinbase and not do anything additional with it. You can just leave it in Coinbase and they can pay you 5%. So using a weekly reoccurring purchase. So it doesn't matter if it's $10, $1, $100, $1,000, $10,000 if you're Nate and you're a baller. Take some amount of money weekly and just buy these tokens on a close your eyes, don't worry about it system. And just do it on a reoccurring basis. In my opinion, it's a very, very good idea to do for the next two, three years. So you think that uh, especially the Bitcoin and, and Ethereum have the potential to not only regain its highs, but to really go way above and beyond that in the coming years? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Uh, and not only that, but I think I know that no one's gonna be able to time the bottom. No one's gonna be able to know the exact low that they're going. And that's why I mentioned on a weekly basis is because you're gonna buy some a little bit on the low side, you'll buy some a little bit of a higher side, but that's the same thing that you're gonna to wanna to do with stocks right now. So for a great example, PayPal, I think everyone listening to this show knows what PayPal is. PayPal is down 80%, which is mm. magnificently large. And I don't know the bottom of PayPal, but I personally feel it's gonna be around for a long, long time. And being as down as it is, I'll be buying three or four or five shares a week, right? So not taking $100,000 and buying it today, but just slowly accumulating it. And there is a very popular word for trading like that, and that is accumulation. Roku, same exact example. Roku's down 83%, right, from its highs this time last year. So slowly tipping into Roku. But then there's some companies that aren't uh, growth tech companies. So let's go Scott's Miracle Grow down 67%. Adobe down 55%. Sam Adams Boston Beer Company down 83%. I mean, these companies have been around for a while. And so there are certainly opportunities out there. You just have to do it slowly. And this is one of those times to not over leverage, not get aggressive, not do anything weird or crazy. 
because we have lower to go in my personal opinion and we want to be patient and just accumulate while we're here. So right now it's a measured risk. You're saying be careful, throw a little bit in here, throw a little bit in there. Don't go too crazy, preserve cash as much as you can now. But these are really opportune times to purchase if you can, because the history shows these stocks can only go back up over the course of time. Is that kind of where you're at? The likelihood and the probabilities of them going back up are larger than them going to zero. Yes. Um, can they go to zero? Absolutely. Any company can. Uh, and over large enough time horizon, everything does. But that time horizon can be you know, 300 years. Um, right. So in my opinion, yes, there's some very, very strong, very stable companies out there that the likelihood of them going bankrupt, going to zero is very small. Uh, the likelihood of them getting bought out by another company for a higher price than you're buying now or read, you know, continuing to go in this overall general bullish trend in the next three, four years is much more likely. Yes, absolutely. I just want to touch on one more thing with crypto because you had a Freudian slip and, and said stable coin. And there was that stable coin disaster. I forget <sighs> the name of it, as you know. Luna. Yep. Luna. That was trading at over $100 a, a coin and they guaranteed a, a minimum floor. You could talk better than I can. And then the thing went all the way down to like pennies on the dollar. What in the world happened with that with that stock or that crypto? Yep. So essentially what they were doing is, and you kind of said it too, that they were guaranteeing something they couldn't really guarantee. And they were guaranteeing a floor price. They were using their, um, their stability and they're actively trading this influx of capital to pay these people these returns that they were guaranteeing. And once they realized that they could no longer do that, using stable coins, when inflation started going up, they couldn't beat the spread anymore. Everything slowly unraveled. And once it started hitting the Twitter and you know that that, that stable coin was no longer, quote unquote, gonna be able to provide that guaranteed return, it got what's called a rug pull. And within days, like three or four days, it went to absolute zero. That's so freaking terrifying. And I know people had their entire Dog, like, Bill, right. bro, that was billions. That was it fifty billion be. dollars gone. I mean, you had absolutely people with their entire net worth in that just got murdered. Holy shit, man! Yeah, brutal. That <laughs> absolutely brutal. And I assume that you've seen this. You you know you know people in this world. I mean, you've probably experienced some crazy highs and some crazy lows yourself. Mm -hmm. So somebody that had that just has gone through that. I mean, how did? How do they recover? You might not even have the answer, but but what kind of advice would you give someone that just lost 99% of their net worth in like three days? Where do they go from there? <laughs> the, the, here's a crazy part though, man. I, I did that, right? I kind of know, except I did it a little bit differently. I did it with silver options because nay, I own the unofficial Guinness world record for buying silver at its highest price ever. <laughs> that, that was me. Nice. I was that guy. But I also, I didn't even buy the stock. I bought options which expired the next week real quick you could talk talk about the the silver thing but also explain to us exactly what stock options are stock options are so it. cool man they're phenomenal yeah. um to blend it together really quickly they are insurance contracts plain and simple that's what they are and they provide insurance for betting what the market's going to do go down or go up long story short most people are unaware that you can buy stock insurance 
you can protect your stock, your, your stock. So just quick, quick example. Let's say you buy a stock at 100. It goes up to 150. Doesn't matter what the company is. It's irrelevant. You have a $50 equity, 50% gain. You could then buy stock, in, uh, stock insurance, which is called a put option, which is literally the right to sell your stock. You could buy that at 120. Now that provides a $20 buffer. It's $20 higher than you bought it. So if the stock goes from 150 to zero, although that'd be terrifying, that would suck, you can and you have the ability to sell your shares at 120 because you bought an insurance contract there. That happens and I do those all the time. And it's a very, very safe way, especially when you're trading larger sums of capital to protect yourself. And I will say this on this show, there are strategies when timed correctly that you can get into an unlosable position mathematically for a certain period of time. And that's really what options are. And it's incredible, incredible leverage opportunities for those who know how to use them. And But you could only get into the option once your stock has appreciated in value, once your investment has gone positive. Is that? Mm, good, good question. No, that just creates an unlosable position for that time frame. Uh, you can get into the insurance contract whenever you want, and you can still kind of measure your risk accordingly. Again, let's do the example of stock at 100. Buy a stock at 100, but you at the exact second you get into it, you buy an insurance contract at 90, you now have a $10, $10 downside risk. And that's okay, like, all right, no big deal. But I'm sure you know this, Nate, and you're just asking for your listeners, but every one of us who buys stock at 100, we could also sell a rent contract, as an example, at 125. That rent contract, all right, you're renting out your stock, just like you rent out a house, right? You're literally getting monthly income from doing that. That 125 rent contract could pay for the $90 insurance contract. So your maximum downside risk is $10. Your maximum upside potential is $25. So you have a one to 2.5 risk reward ratio, which is still, I mean, it's a really, really good risk if you're comfortable enough in the stock. Yeah. And can you trade options on the apps like Robinhood, E-Trade, or is it limited depending on the app? You can. You can trade okay. options on those on those apps and many many other ones. Yep, interesting, super interesting. And and I came from an insurance world, so I understand those contracts. You know, that's unfortunately I learned them a little too quickly in my career. That's why I ended up losing all my money because, as you all know, insurance contracts have an expiration date, right? Just like a life insurance or Correct. house insurance or car insurance. So if that expiration date, if you buy something without enough time, and whatever bet you thought was going to happen didn't. 60% or more of those options will expire worthless, right? That's like me putting all of the money that I own on an insurance contract for my house. And if my house doesn't burn down, I lose all that money, which is obviously a terrible example, but it, it holds true. Right. It's a very interesting, and you you employ that strategy and you, you do a lot of stock trading, but options is clearly part of your, uh, the, right? The repertoire in the toolbox, yeah, man, yes. it is. Um, it is. And I, for anyone who has six figures or more into the markets or wants to have six figures, it allows a, a safety net that most people aren't familiar with. Right. And that to me, most people are terrified of stocks. They're like, oh, there's so much uncertainty. There's so much volatility and there's so much movement. They put in 10,000 bucks. And it's like, dog, hey, I love you, but $10,000 isn't going to move the needle long term. Like it can you know, do something if you're 10 or 20, but if you're 40, like what's $10,000? Unless you, you got into to. unless you got into Luna at a dollar and got out at a hundred dollars, <laughs> yes, then it's so. cool. 
Yeah. And it is cool. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, cryptos don't have those options yet. They will. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to come a time. And so that will provide, again, more stability, more certainty, more security, because options did come out in the 70s, like 1973, if I'm not mistaken. And okay. so it's been around for a very long time. You, you talked about your silver, and I think you were going somewhere with that. But what also, in, in regards to the silver, what's your take on gold? I'm not a gold bunny and I'm not a silver bunny. And what that means for me is um, I think they're going to go lower because, I mean, short term, long term, they'll go higher eventually. It's going to take a while. But I mean, they don't do anything, right? Other than if you had to melt them down, and make jewelry, that's a potential. Um, if you sold them to, I don't know, a circuit board maker or someone who's manufacturing something that needs gold or silver. But if you bought, I don't know, let's say $100,000 worth of gold and silver, it's going to sit there on your shelf, in your safe, and doing absolute nothing. It's nothing. There's no value that creates interchangeably. And I do have gold and silver. It's about 2% of my total net worth. And I think I own it just the same way that most people would. If zombies come at us with machine guns, we might want a little bit of money uh, to use on (laughs) when the world apocalypse is here, you're going to want to be able to give some gold and silver for exchange of currency. And I can respect that, but that's really the only other value that I see that they have. Got it. Got it. This is tricky times. And being a day trader over the last year or two has had to be very, very challenging because the market, while a few years back had to be super fun, especially if you know what you're doing like you, um, this past 12 months, just seeing all these things bleeding out, bleeding out. How do you stay? How do you stay ahead as a day trader when everything is going down? Start using short strategies. So you have, like, if you're not shorting right now, or you don't know how to short, you are not winning. And you you have to know how to make money as the markets go down. That does require a margin account. That does require more education. Um, I have a pretty large community of traders and the majority of them do know how to trade markets as they go, as they go lower, but there are very legal, very effective, very safe and very liquid ways to actually make money as it drops. So I'm sure most of your listeners, cause they're very informed have watched the movie, the big short. And it's a fantastic wall street movie about 2008, but it does show and it does kind of educate in individuals slightly in a kind of like hyperbole way of how to make money as markets go down. But they did. Right? That's what they did is in that movie. They took bets to make money as markets drop. I do that all the time. In fact, that's one of my primary day trading models is to look for a shorting opportunity to make money as it drops. And yes, it has risks. Absolutely. So I could get bought out and I get hosed. Um, there's all kinds of risks associated with that. But if you have what's called a stop loss, inside your broker, you can set it up where you can control your risk and you can mathematically using second grade math, determine precisely how much you're going to lose if you're wrong and determine exactly how much you're going to make if you're right. Wow. And this is the type of stuff that you're helping your clients with. People are employing you as an advisor and we'll link you up in the show notes once you, we'll talk about your website and everything, but people are coming to you and as an advisor and you're helping them with these types of strategies and you're helping people make money right away. Yeah. Yeah. I I wouldn't use the word advisor specifically. I'm more, more of a coach just in the sense of I don't advise people on what they should do, but I do tell people on what they can do. I give them their options. I give them the choices. I tell them what I will do, but 
You are correct. And what's amazing in the sense of the goal for me, when you're talking about real estate mentorship, and I love real estate, by the way, um, I need more in my life, but I'm, I'm working on that. However, the one thing that I do like about my, my job, if you want to call it a job, or, or my employment as a coach and as someone that can help people uh, with their liquid money, if I sit down on a call, we can take a trade together and I can walk you through it right there and we can get real world experience. And if it's, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does work, which, you know, 60% of the time it will, you'll make more than whatever you just, whatever that cost associated was. And we can do that every single month or every single year, every single quarter. Like there are opportunities where it's extremely liquid. It doesn't matter how much money you're trading with. Um, Tesla moves, uh, the, the capital that goes in and out of Tesla every day is in the tens of billions, right? Every single day, in and out, worth of share. So you, you could put in a million and you're not even gonna show up on the radar. So the money is extremely liquid, it's extremely tangible and you can go in and out very fast and that's one of my favorite parts. There's so much freaking money in this world, man. Dude, <laughs> I know, it's, it's mind-blowing. You can't even wrap your head around it. No, you can't. You can't wrap your head around it. Mm. It's... It's overwhelming. Uh, the The number is almost like infinity, it seems like. It's craziness. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely insane. It's funny that you bring that up. Um, I have studied infinities a little bit because I'm, I'm really blown away by that concept. There's something called the Bodok-Tarski paradox where it's um, when does one actually become two? Because the, the, there's an infinite amount of numbers in between one and two. But at some point, one does have to become two, but not yeah. really. But anyway, so the, there's something called a countable infinity and an uncountable infinity. Countable infinity is like how many grains of sand are there on the earth and how many U.S. dollars are there floating around. There is some number, there's some limit, but it's a very, very, very scarily huge number that no one can really comprehend. Correct. Correct. Because yeah. right. nearly none of it's printed. It's all just in computer systems. It's all just a, a number. Yep. It's hard it's to wrap your head around. Super wild. Um, yeah, it's... It's it's craziness. Uh, you have a story. So one of the real quick, tell us the story about your friend who you helped um, with his portfolio. You helped him with getting into some investments. I think this was early on. He's now retired, living in Hawaii. Correct, Johnny Guarco. Yeah. What yep. happened there? Uh, so Johnny was a Marine. Um, I, I work with special forces and you know, the U.S. and other countries as well, but militaries, men and women work with a lot of special forces and help provide them purpose and direction. Cause a lot of times when you get out of the military, that can be a little bit lost uh, because they have so many clear missions and clearly defined what I need to do on a weekly basis. And when they're out, they have to kind of come up with that themselves. It can be challenging sometimes. So I did, I, I worked with Johnny, uh, worked with his wife who is just incredible and he has five kids and <laughs> yeah, he's, he's retired and a full-time trader. But it was, a, it was a process of him and me sitting down together going, hey, this is the money, this is how you can access it, and this is what you can do with it. Because a lot of people are just unfamiliar of, of how they can use certain parts of their portfolio for liquidity, but you can leverage retirement savings and put it into real estate or other syndications or businesses, startups, all kinds of things that either they can be intangible assets or they can be tangible assets that you're not taxed on Right? You don't get taxed on uh, custodial accounts or self-directed IRAs. And you can take that money and buy investment properties and buy cash flowing assets mm. that can bring financial stability into your life. And so really just being able to sit down and understand that because the one thing that my dad did tell me when I was 16, 
I asked him, what, what should I do with my life? You know, hey, hey, dad, like, what should I do? And he said, study money. That's it. So he's like, study money. You study money, you'll, it'll work out for you. So the only way I knew how to study money was read books with the word money in the title. Mm. And I've been doing probably a book a month-ish with the word with the money in the title or rich or wealthy or something like that. If you had to choose one book, one book, Jeremy, for this audience to go read, which one is it? I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to promote my own. Um, I'm going to promote, I'm going to promote one. I will say mine at some point, but Jen Sincero, you are a badass at making money. I always support her because she's a wonderful human. She's very, she has a huge contribution standard. You're a badass at making money. Fantastic, fantastic read. Very humorous, but very, very useful. And uh, that her book did inspire me to write mine, Money Grows on Trees. Money Grows on Trees, yeah. Those two, if you spend time and do the exercises and really fill out the homework assignments in those books, it will change your life. Uh, And we will make sure we link that in the show notes as well. Money Grows on Trees. Check it out, everybody. If you want to see uh, more about Jeremy, read his book. Um, So, yeah, so this is what you're doing. You're helping people really, that's got to be such a, the most rewarding thing about what you do is that you can do what you do anywhere on this planet. Right. I mean, you can go trade from a beach. You can go down into the city. You can go there. You can go there. You coach clients. You can be anywhere in the world. You have you've created freedom for yourself. That's got to be one of the most rewarding things of everything you do. It is, man. Um, The fulfillment that I get from that and being able to travel and being able to spend time with incredible people and really pouring into them and being able to see how we can create money and wealth, become a force for good, and become a force multiplier for greatness in countries or cities or states that need it. I don't know, man. Like that, that's, I don't know what other way to live life there is other than trying to figure out a way to contribute to others and pour in value and really enrich lives and inspire and motivate. So I do. I, I get paid to play. And I, I play all over the world. I'll be in Bali in 72 hours from now for a month. And I'll be working with individuals from New Zealand and Australia. They're going to fly into Bali and we're going to trade together. And it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Wow. How many people do you have coming to that? Not tons. Um, about seven or eight. So it's, it's a little bit smaller. That's, still, so, that's incredible still. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. It will. And I, I did promise my wife that it's going to be short-lived so that we can have actual full-on like family vacation while we're there yes but and and that's important as well but it is man it's just a it's a i don't use the word balance often but i would say more of an equilibrium there's times where you got to go really really deep and get after it and love it and then there's times to really pull back and just let it flow that's beautiful uh jeremy newsom tell us where we can find you where you want people to go online social media etc man easiest place to track me down just spell my name with two r's and i'm the only one so Jeremy, J-E-R-R-E-M-Y, Newsom, N-E-W-S-O-M-E.com. You can find me on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, whatever social media platforms. I'm on all the things. Um, and my stock education company is called reallifetrading.com. All the education is free. So feel free to just go and crush it if anyone's interested in learning um, more advanced stuff. It's really, really insightful information, man. Last question for you. And again, guys, check them out. Links in the show notes. Last question, Jeremy. Looking ahead, we're in a tough time. We know that there's there's talks of a recession. Uh, some people think we're actually already in one. Others say we will be in one in the next six to 12 months. And who knows how long that can last for. If you had to look into your crystal ball into the next 
two years, three years, where do you see, I know it's a loaded question, where do you see this market going or, or where do you see the market in like two years from now? It's a valid question, man. I mean, I think in two years, we're going to slowly start recovering probably right about the time for elections. I mean, it would seem that that would make the most sense um, with whatever side goes, whatever tide, whatever color. I don't, I'm not going to pick that. I think it most likely will be a Republican, but who knows? Uh, it doesn't really bother me either way. Um, but I can say this. I do think that we'll be slowly getting out of it. But one of two things happen. And I don't like the second scenario, but it's on the table as a possibility. Is This is either the big one, right? The big global reset that a lot of people have been waiting for, calling out for, expecting where we go into a depression. Um, instead of companies going bankrupt, it's countries this time. And the whole world kind of has to hit the reset button. I don't think that's going to happen. That's, but it is on the table as a possibility. It definitely wouldn't be two years from now. It'd be more like four. But I'd say it's in the 5 to 10% range of, of likelihood. And then the other one, man, is, yeah, two years, it's going to get kind of bad. And we have to do a government change. The country goes, all right, let's change governments. Let's change presidents. Let's change colors. Let's change everything. And that either works or it doesn't. And again, if it doesn't, that's what the second scenario could be. And if it does either the presidency change or the uh, democracy into a republic or whatever the case is or whoever is gets elected. If that shift does happen at a timely fashion and the market goes higher, awesome. I mean, it would make sense to me that that could occur. Right. These have to, these are likely the lower times. I mean, this next 12 to 24 months. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully to your point. Yep, hopefully. I think that's the case. Hey, uh, continued success to you, my friend. Thank you for the really insightful and informative conversation today. My pleasure, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.